Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but more importantly, we stand together. This podcast includes discussion around sex addiction, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, and suicide. Please acknowledge that this content may be difficult. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 4, Episode 4, Broken. After the baby came, we were on cloud nine. Of course, there were plenty of highs and lows. We moved into our new house and I got a new job when our son was just a baby. These were both big steps as we continued to grow and I was feeling a little hopeful that maybe one day things would just balance out and he would just be nice all the time. But everything with him was always situational. You could never just trust his word and to this day, I still tell him, Justin, you tell me not to take it to heart when you say something mean and you're mad. But when you're mad and mean, you tell me how you don't even mean anything when you're happy. So who do I trust? Who do I believe? The trust issues continued as I would always find little text messages from girls on Facebook. You know they're full of shit. And you let them smooth it over and it's like, okay, okay. But you know it's wrong because you feel it in your heart that things aren't adding up. I have a question for both of you, actually. Once you guys had babies with Ben and Justin, did you feel an even stronger need to justify their actions or stay with them? I don't know. Did you feel like a stronger pull to protect your child or not protect them, but I don't want to tear up my family. I always hear that from other women is I didn't want to, you know, break up my family. I have this new baby, my kids, they needed a father. Like, did you feel that pull or you were just trying to keep your head above water? I always felt that. And I felt that from his parents because being that he came from a broken home and his mom had been married so many times, they would pressure me and make me feel like we always had to make this work. We have this child. We can't put this child in the middle of anything. And it didn't matter how young he was or even as he got older, it was always like, you can't do this to the children. I saw it from a different perspective. Yes, my parents were married 27 years and together 30 years. And that doesn't mean anything. You stay together for kids and you try to do the right thing and you still do damage to your children. So which one is it? It's truly the lesser of two evils. From the very beginning, I always felt that it's best to be in separate homes and let them see that. And mm -hmm. exactly, let your children learn that, mm -hmm. that that type of relationship is normal because it's not. And I was probably the only person of my circle of friends, extended friends, clients that felt that way. So I was kind of the outcast of my way of thinking. I would say the reason why I did for a little while was pride and vanity. I didn't want to be judged for having another child with a second man and it not working mm -hmm. and having to move into something new 
and have people judging me. Wow, she couldn't do it again. Wow, that happened to her again. That's what made me hang on longer than I should have. Now I could give two shits what anybody thinks and it's the best feeling. If I had that confidence, then I would have saved myself. Fast forward to when our son was about 18 months old. This was late 2012. I had planned a night out for Justin's birthday right before Christmas. We were going out with some friends, and of course, I was excited. We never got to go out. So the night started out fun, but while we were at the concert, he was so drunk and obnoxious. I just wanted to leave and get home. I was done. I had enough. Do you have a sitter come to the house, or does your son stay the night with a sitter or a family member or a friend? Yes. He was with a family member, actually. We did not leave him often at all. And I do want to pause for a second because the irony with this situation right here is I remember probably about a month before this incident going, you know what? I feel like him and I have kind of come out and like we're growing. And you know what? I don't think I have so much to worry because he's made me feel self-conscious and worry. I really feel like we're truly happy right now. And I don't think he would ever truly cheat on me. And I remember sitting on my couch watching TV and my son was sleeping and it was just me that night. And I remember this feeling come over me of like, peace. Okay, maybe we did it. Maybe things are really turning around. And then here we go, like weeks later, maybe two weeks later, here we are out with friends drinking involved with him again and he was really obnoxious that night I remember that to me he's never been fun to be around when he drinks because I he's just to me he's always obnoxious (laughs) and um I really didn't want to drink much because he was annoying me and we had a pretty good drive home our friends were driving the one wasn't drinking and we were driving home and we had to pull over into a parking lot since he drank so much and he opens the back door and like nearly falls out face plants because he's puking everywhere. And I see his phone fall and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gonna puke on his phone. So I grab his phone and as I grab his phone, here we go, here comes text messages. And it's a girl, I don't know who it is at the time because it was so fast, but she is telling him anything and everything she wants him to do in that moment. She, I mean, I can still remember it clear as day, word for word. I mean, she was wanting him to grab her hips and to bend her over and this and that. I mean, it was everything. Then there was pictures and I couldn't believe I was reading it. Like, am I really finding this right now? And then I noticed when I looked at her name again, I was like, Is this really who I think it is? We were friends on Facebook. She knew we had a family. Where's this coming from? We continued our drive home and I took his phone and chucked it out the window down the street from our house. When I got home, I just decided I'm gonna calm down. I'm gonna sit on the couch and just not speak to him. I'll just deal with all of this in the morning. Was I wrong? Justin walked in and he made a direct beeline for me. Instead of him going off to our bedroom, he makes a beeline for me right to that couch and punches me, I mean, close fist, punches me right in the mouth. 
and starts laying into me, telling me how stupid I am, what is wrong with me. And then from there, it was like a nightmare. It was something you see on a movie. He grabbed me by my hair, like if I was a mop, dragging me around by my hair. He had cowboy boots on and he was kicking me all along the right side of my face. My jaw, it felt like my jaw was instantly hard, like it was broke. Um, my eye, again, my right eye, and just kept hitting me and just talking to me. And I remember I begged him, I was crying. And I remember I was right in front of my closet and I was crying and I said, please stop, you're going to kill me. You're gonna kill me tonight, please stop. And he was a maniac. And at that moment, I thought I was dying because I couldn't help it. I was peeing on myself and as weird and crazy as that sounds, I had no control over myself because of fear. I don't know where he went and he took off and I could barely even get myself to move because my body hurt so bad. Then I looked in the mirror and my face was already purple. My face was bloody. There was a chunk of hair missing. My shirt was ripped. My pants were torn. And the first thing I did was call my mom. And of course, she's telling me I have to get to safety. I finally got away and I drove to his sister's house and she was about 10 minutes away. She opened the door and cried looking at me. It's something you'd just see in a nightmare. I could barely see out of one eye and my lip was split open. Hair was everywhere. My clothes were ripped and there was blood covering me from head to toe. My pants were wet with pee and my body hurt. And I call her and I show up and I don't even think she expected to see what she was going to see. I don't even have words. I saw Athena crying. Me cry. Um, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, first of all, did anyone try to get you medical attention? His sister told me, and this is the part that's horrible, is his brother-in-law is a police officer. And he knew what happened. And though not he go was, against his oath of... Yes, it does. And he wasn't no. one even in our town, in our city. And yes, you're in Houston 30 minutes away, but send somebody over there. And I remember my ex-boyfriend told me this that night. They're going to protect him. I said, no, they won't. I said, how do you protect somebody like this? He says, you have to get out of there. His family is going to protect him. That's their family. And I thought he was nuts. I'm like, there's no way someone can protect that. That's a monster. When I tried calling our friends that we were with that night to come back and pick me up, and they didn't take me serious. Like, they didn't think that it was bad. They didn't think that it was like this big situation. They just thought it was like an argument. He kind of just blew up. So they didn't come back to get me. Um, we had two other close family friends, a husband and wife, and we were really close with them. Um, they were a little bit older than us and their son was younger and their son was like a big brother, or was like a little brother to us. I tried calling them and they didn't answer the phone. They knew that we were out that night. And so they actually made jokes the next day. They called me and was like, what are you doing drunk dialing me? And then I had to tell them what happened. And of course they felt awful, but no, the short 
answered, no, nobody tried to help me. Nobody tried to get help for me. So this, okay, you show up at his sister's house who her, her husband is a police officer and you're Mm -hmm. beat to a bloody pulp. What, what is her first response? I mean, they, do they offer anything like just come lay down? I don't, I'm, I'm, she cries right now. She, truly, yeah. you know, she, she oh, cried when she she cried when she looked at me and couldn't believe he did that. And then was like, "Come in and sleep. Do you need an ice pack?" But aside from that, it was nothing. Nothing. Her husband has a job as a police officer to report that. That's bullshit, and he should be turned in for it. We asked the detective about Sammy's brother-in-law not reporting the incident. And this is what she had to say. As a police officer, when you have knowledge and someone has been beaten, do you have to report it? Or did they do anything wrong in that case? Uh, We were just blown away that they turned a blind eye to it, essentially. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with that case, but I will say just at least in our state as a police officer, if you have knowledge of a crime that a crime has been committed that yeah, you shall report it. So they should have immediately gone to whatever city that they lived in and reported the incident. Um, You don't just protect somebody because they're another law enforcement officer or because you don't believe it. If somebody says this is what happened, it's no different than if a citizen walked up to you and said, I was just hit with a bat by somebody you would report that because they're asking for help. So it's it's no different whether it's a family member or a person off the street. They, it should, if a crime was committed or somebody's alleging a crime was committed, you need to report that and then let the investigating officer do an investigation. That's good information. Yeah, and it may vary state by state, okay. but even if it, you're not, even if you don't have a requirement to do that, I would think as a person, that's the right thing to do, yeah. right? Is report Agreed. that something has happened to this person. Absolutely agree. What about other friends or family? What if they're like the victim isn't wanting to call the police and report it? Can one of their friends or family report? Is that even a thing or no? Has to be the person who's experiencing it. Like, could I say, listen, my, my relative is, is having some serious issues and I, I really want to report this person. Can I do that or anybody do that? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. That's a great question, mm-hmm. Amber. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Very good. Yep. We actually, we get those calls and um, sometimes they'll come in as like a welfare check mm. and it will kind of alert us at least of the address. Um, so that way, if we ever get like a 911 hang up or something and somebody is called in, we're going to say, Hey, oh, by the way, the premise history here is um, somebody from the family was reporting that there's a history of domestic violence here and this is what's going on. So it gives us something more to work with, right? Yeah. And it maybe gives us a reason to go knock on a door and just and just check in and at least do a face-to-face to make sure that somebody's okay. It's like CPS for adults, <laughs> right? Yeah. I remember like once nobody did anything, I was like, they're right. They protected their, they protected their own. They protected their own. Like I legitimately could have died. How many times do you hear a man getting carried away and he kills his wife. He kills the mother of his children. My son was 18 months. He could have been a foster kid. 
I mean, his dad could have been in prison and his mom was gone because his dad couldn't control himself because his dad got caught doing something he should not have done. I tried sleeping on the couch for a few hours, but my mind just couldn't rest. And so I got up at 6 a.m. and left. I went right to the place where I threw his phone so I could go through everything. I figured out who the girl was and it made me want to puke. She was only 18 years old and had just graduated high school six months earlier. And he was 31. This had been going on for almost three months at this point. She and I were also friends on Facebook because we knew one another. Not well, but we definitely knew who one another was. What the hell was this girl doing? Didn't she see all the pictures I would post of us as a family and our son? Fucking homewrecker, I thought to myself. I text her from his phone and I let her have it. Lord knows what is in that phone. I had to get this phone and I had to look through it. And when I showed up at home at 6.30 in the morning, the back door was wide open. The kitchen table was flipped upside down. I didn't know what just happened at my house. It was like he went back there and went crazy that night. He destroyed the TV. Like I said, the table was flipped upside down. Everything in our room, curtains were ripped down. Drawers were ripped. I mean, everything. But And then the sad part is there was blood. He's a monster. So he was slick to a degree because iPhones still weren't big at this time. So you still had your outbox, like an email. He had it set where his outbox was deleted. You know, I guess that makes him look less suspicious. But it's pretty easy to piece together <laughs> text messages from somebody. If they initiated the conversation or if he initiated the conversation, if she's answering anything. And sure enough, I went through and these went back to like the beginning of October. So it was about two and a half months. And that night we were supposed to go out. She was trying to get him to go out somewhere with her. I mean, all the, you know, the sexual stuff. And um, I didn't know at that time how, how many times it had happened. I just knew that this had been that they'd been talking for a few months. I saw some other things that seemed shady with some other girls. Um, but I did threaten her from his phone. I want to say now I called her from his phone and she was quick to answer. And I told her that it was me and that I found everything. So she was young girl. So I know this might, you know, cause a ruckus with, some of our listeners, because she was so young and barely of legal age. Mm -hmm. Was there any point um, where you, you could understand that maybe he manipulated her just as much as he did you? I know exactly what, what you're saying and what you're getting at. She instantly blocked me from Facebook because I, you know, told her I was going to expose her, you know, and she had this little image, I guess, that she had to keep. And once I calmed down, it was a few weeks later, text her from my phone and I asked her to call me because I was told through a mutual friend that she wanted to talk to me. So I was like, okay. So I gave her the opportunity to call me. So I was like, okay, let's hear her side of the story. And it's just like what you said. I knew, even though it was only a few years before that, I knew she was 
young and I was young and it's much easier to manipulate a girl, a younger woman. So sure enough, she let me know that, you know, he was the one that initiated everything. She, he told her that we were not happy. He was planning to leave. He was only in the house for our son. He was getting all of his ducks in a row. And I think it's kind of the stereotypical story you hear, you know, we don't sleep in the same room, all of that. On the flip side where I held her accountable, I told her, I said, we know so many of the same people. I see you out at these places where we're at for these rodeos that my husband was a part of. So we're very much like mutual friends. You have me on Facebook. You would see that we are very much a family. I'm not just posting pictures. Like you see Thanksgiving, we were posting pictures and you and him had something at that time. You saw Halloween. But I also thought back at that time when we would take pictures, all of a sudden he wasn't putting his arm around me or he wasn't holding his hand. I remember the picture specifically about Thanksgiving because he had this weird distance and he was never like that. You're not off the hook and you could have asked me, you could have sent me a message and said, hey, look, he's kind of being a creep or reaching out or you could have just blown him off altogether. And that was the last and only conversation I had with her. I drove to my in-laws and picked up my son and headed out of town. My cousin was about an hour and a half away. Of course, my phone was broken because Justin smashed it in his rage the night before. So I called my mom and let her know I was safe. I would check in at my cousin's and would get a new phone once I got there. I just wanted to get away at this point. But by the time I got to my cousin's house, my body hurt so bad. I felt like I had been hit by a truck. All I wanted to do was just hold my baby and not ever let him go. This was my safe space. I had been through so much. I packed up my son's stuff and I didn't know how long it was going to be, but I packed his diaper bag and clothes and I packed my stuff and so completely grateful at this time that I had my cousin who was an hour and a half away in Louisiana that I could drive there that quickly. And his mom was visiting for Christmas because mind you, this was three days before Christmas. Sadie, was this the first time that Justin had like physically assaulted you, put his hands on you, hit you? I would say yes, for the most part, just because the incident when I was pregnant, he didn't actually hit me with his hands. Yes, he assaulted me and there was objects involved, but it was never like this. There was never the punching, the hitting, the kicking. So yes, okay. yes. Of course, as soon as I got my new phone, guess who was blowing me up? Justin. He had already started on the apology campaign. I let him and his parents know that I didn't even know if I'd be back in town for Christmas. I didn't feel safe. And he didn't even deserve to have our son. Why should I go out of my way to do anything for that man? I ended up buckling, though, after talking to his mom, and I drove back on Christmas Eve. I had this ugly black eye. My lip hurt. My jaw still was in pain and was missing a huge chunk of hair right in the front of my face. Justin tried to be nice and told me he was being honest and told me everything, but I knew better. I know how to take a few minutes a moment ago because this is really hitting home for me with my sister um, because she was obviously physically abused. And so her birthday is next week. So I think that's why I am going to ask you to really dig deep and think about this maybe for a moment before answering it. After he beat you that badly, 
Why do you think that you allowed yourself to get rope back in and go back to him after that? I didn't want to. I didn't. I felt like I was guilt tripped and bullied into coming back. Do you feel like uh, you were weak, weaker now at this point after all these years of um, manipulation and abuse? Do you feel like he'd weakened your, your no, strength to say no? No. Spirit? felt like I had the upper hand at this point. Like, I kind of had him where I wanted him. But I felt bullied and guilt-tripped because here we go, his family, you know, telling me how I need to come back because how are they not going to have Christmas with their grandson? How is he not going to be there for one thing or another instead of anybody being concerned about me and my well-being. You say you felt like you were being bullied. Are you talking about by your in-laws? By my in-laws and by by Justin. Okay. Because it's like they're coming from both angles. I didn't want anybody in my family to know. I was okay with my mom knowing, but at this time, since I wasn't sure what I was going to do, I didn't want anybody to know. And now I have my family coming to me who is overbearing and is telling me how I'm weak if I don't um, leave him. And they're bullying me in a different way now. They're telling me I'm gonna be just like my mom, that I am just like her. And in this moment, I just kind of snapped at everyone. And it was like, why doesn't somebody let me make a decision? He said and did everything I needed to hear. But just as quick as I'm back and we're there for Christmas, he was still not concerned about me because the first thing he said is, can you put on a pair of reading glasses so nobody sees your eye? Can you wear your hair down so nobody sees the side of your face? Because the whole right side of my face was like one big bruise. And it was like, shame on And then it was like that quick. It's like, I came back because I, you said everything I needed to hear. And that quick, you're so insensitive and only thinking about how you're looking right now instead of my pain or anything that just happened to me that you inflicted on me. And that quick, it was just such a big fuck you in my face. In your experience, what do you think has been the biggest reason that women do not follow through with getting restraining orders? Um, most of the time they start to feel bad about reporting something um, or they're afraid of the unknown. And from what I've seen in a lot of these situations is a lot of times the the guy will, not necessarily the guy, it happens to females as well, but in this situation, you know, we're talking about females. A lot of times the, the abuser will make somebody feel so horrible or threaten them that they're afraid to follow through. And so they recant and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody's nice the next day. So they start questioning themselves. Was it really as bad as I thought it was, right? So Absolutely. you start to have some self doubt. Mm -hmm. And so then the next day when things have kind of calmed down, they decide for one reason or another that, okay, it really wasn't that bad and it's, it's okay now. When you were speaking on the phone before you went back, did he cry? Did he beg for your forgiveness? Did he even apologize? Oh yeah. I mean, and he's always been good at that. He knows how to turn on the tears when it's convenient. Oh yes. Always 
knows how to say the right thing at the right time. I mean, he should have got an Academy Award a few times for some of his acting with the tears and the sorrow. And that it's like, how could you not believe him? <laughs> this was pretty good. Seriously, they are so freaking good. They just oh, yeah. turn it on, turn it off. It's amazing. Yep. But then after the holidays, I went back to work. I was in the medical field and I remember the nurse kind of looking at me and questioning me and looking at me funny. And I, I don't even remember what I told her at the time. But I brushed it off and I remember still at this time contemplating, still going to law enforcement. And I reached out to the DA's office in our county and I asked them what I would do, like how I go about this. And they told me I only had a certain amount of time to do it. And they told me how to handle it. So I was very much conflicted. And I remember when I told him that I was still thinking about doing that, he said, oh, it's okay. I've already talked to my dad and there's no proof that I did this to you. We could turn around and say that you had an accident, a, ski, uh, a snow brain accident, or you had this or that happen. And there's no proof that I did that to you. And when he said that, it was like, okay, he's right. He won this one. Well, you did take photos and send it mm -hmm. and you did go to his sister's home. Mm -hmm. So if she was brought to the stand, she'd have to lie for him under oath or tell the truth. But it was still probably a lot to even digest after what you had been through. So yeah. that's well, why a lot of people don't want to deal with it at all. I was young and it's like he knew how to scare me, I would say. And being that his dad is a criminal defense attorney. I'm like, oh, well, they know way more than I do. Oh, it's, I did not know that. You I didn't either. mention that one, oh, really? sister. Oh, <laughs> crap. That just changed things a lot because, yes. It did. yes. <laughs> so Holy crap. But that, that, but that's a police thing. officer yeah. and a defense yes. lawyer in your yes. back pocket. Oh, yes. my God. Yep. That is scary. Defending, defending him. Yep. Can you give us any advice on what a victim could do to create a strong case against their abuser in order to get a protection order or a domestic violence no contact order. Yes. So um, these these can be kind of tricky, and people tend to minimize even if they're going for a restraining order, right? Because a lot of times somebody has been told go get a restraining order, and so they'll do it, but they still want to minimize. So you have to be very, very honest with yourself about what has been happening and describe what has been happening, how it made you feel, um, what, like if somebody hit you and you tasted blood, the fact that you tasted blood because this person hit you in the face and you bit your tongue. Be very, very honest about your situation and what happened. Um, if this is something that's ongoing, keep a journal, dates that this has happened, um, injuries that you've had, photos, um, and also, you know, be willing to follow through with going to the police and with whatever the district attorney recommends. Um, you know, and a lot of people have recorders now, most everybody does. And some people have started recording you know, different arguments and that kind of stuff. And 
because an abuser is going to get an opportunity to fight a restraining order, right? Every Everybody has the opportunity to defend themselves. So the more you can bring forth to a judge to prove your case, the more successful you're going to be at getting that restraining order granted. Now, not every state allows recording, right? You kind of have to check. Is that right or no? You you would have to check your state law. Yeah. Okay. For recording somebody. So I yes. think and honestly, a lot of times you have to tell people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think honestly, after going through it with mine and having Athena come to court with me when he tried to get a restraining order on me. And when I went to get on him, I was so scared. I was almost at the point where like, screw it. I don't even want to do it. Cause I'm so scared. Yeah. I'm scared to go up in front of the judge. I'm scared of like, I don't know what the process is, the protocol, like, and I can see how people just say, never mind, just never mind. I can't right. do this. And then just the fear of, you don't know what your, your abuser is going to say, you know, and for us, like he would show up in court with fake text messages and fake <laughs> emails and all this stuff. And so you're so scared of, you know, being told that you're a liar and you're this and that I think it's like this mindset. You have to just be confident in what you know and the truth and find Athena <laughs> to go to court with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what attorneys are for. And a lot of these abusers are very good at manipulating people and making people think that, oh gosh, did I get the facts wrong? You know, they try to turn it around, but you, that's why it's so, so important to document what's happening. So that way you don't forget, because as time goes on, details fade, unfortunately, that's just how your mind works. And so it's just very, very important to be honest with yourself about what's happening and then to be able to write it down on paper and explain it to somebody. And you can bring friends or family with you or a DV advocate. So you don't have to go through the process alone, at least in our state. When you prep yourself to go in, just know, okay, I know he's going to bring up this, this, and this about me. And what is the best way that I can explain my behavior in that moment? Sure. Um, so, so that you're not put off guard when you get there, just know, okay, I, I said some bad things or maybe they hit back. You never know. So you could say I was defending myself. This is why I hit that person or whatever, instead of him turning the tables and saying she hit me and she's actually the abuser or trying to twist the facts, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. Be able to explain your actions and how you felt at the time and why you did what you did. If you, if you hit somebody back, explain why you did it. You know, everybody, everybody makes mistakes and that's all about how you articulate and, and, and what you, what you say is really what is going to persuade a judge to either grant a restraining order or dismiss something. I think if you can stay calm and not get so emotional, I know they can see your emotion, but just stay calm and not be reactive. I've noticed when Brandon would have outbursts, he just looked very disrespectful and it was just showing how impulsive he was in a negative way Mm -hmm. so it's a really good thing just to keep that feisty tiger locked up inside in front of the judge or the officer yes (laughs) stick to the facts do it in the right way yes like always i would find suspicious stuff in his phone over the next few years he slowly stopped posting pictures of me and our family it was always just him and our son and i would question him about it and he would tell me how petty and stupid i was October 2016, we talked about maybe having one more child, 
Our son was in kindergarten and I had worked in fertility for five years at the time and I knew as I got older, it'd be harder to have another one. In two months, I would be 30. So we agreed to casually try after that and I would stop my pill and we would see what happened. Things go okay. So they must have been going smooth enough to where a couple of years later you began talking about having a second child. So I know people are going to... <laughs> They're screaming right now. They're screaming. They're going to okay. shit themselves. Why? They Why did it with me. Why? They did it with Athena. They were yelling at their phones for sure. Yes. So join the club on irritating the masses. Yes. <laughs> but but paint I did the, the same picture. thing with both of you. I'm like, what I are know. you thinking? And then I was like, wait, I did the same thing. <laughs> Until you walked in our shoes, people. Shush. I know. So paint, paint the picture of what happens the next couple years. You, you don't have to go into a lot of detail up until that point where you're like, let's have another baby, shall we? Okay. Let me preface. It was saying I was still an idiot, still an idiot because that was 2012. Let's fast forward to 2016 and I'm now quickly approaching 30, but in those what, four years, I don't know how many times I found stuff on Snapchat. Facebook Messenger, text messages, texting girls while we're in the vehicle together. I could be driving and he's next to me texting girls. I know my my time clock is a ticking, you know, if I want another one, it, it's coming up. So we had a discussion one night and he's like, okay, I said, look, we have like a month and a half before I'm 30. Let's make a deal. I turn 30, I'll get through my 30th birthday and then I'll come off birth control and we'll see what happens. Okay. It was a deal and I was like so excited that I was like, he's on board with this. About two weeks later, we were at a friend's house for a big barbecue. We were having a blast and it was a good time. They lived a good distance from us. So they told us to stay the night. Justin went inside and passed out in their spare bedroom when I went to his truck to grab my phone charger. When I opened the door, his phone was ringing. I just thought to myself, who the hell is calling him right now? It's like 2 a.m. I answer it and she hung up. He just had her under initials or something like that. I was livid. I started to go through his phone and I see all these Facebook messages to different girls. One taking a picture of himself and sending it to her saying how he just got a new haircut and she should let him take her to dinner. Another girl he had been messaging asked where his son's mother was. She said, I never see any pictures of a woman. Are you single dad? Justin went on to tell her that I'm not really in the picture and he has our son 95% of the time. He told her that I basically only cared about going out and partying. He made it out like I was some absent mother. And this was so damn comical because I always had our son, like always. And he said, oh, She's been out of his life since she was, since he was five months old. She left. She cared about partying and going out. She would say she's, she would come to pick him up and she would never show up. And this long, terrible story. And I had to reread it. And I went, holy shit. There's not an ounce of this story that is true. How could you? And then all of a sudden it's like, but we just talked about having another baby and you're trying to cheat on me again. When I got home the next day, I was more hurt than anything else. 
How could you just tell me weeks before that we could try for another baby? And then he was doing this all behind my back. And this was going on for quite a bit of time. I was pissed now. And I stayed mad for a while, but like always, I let him smooth it over with his bullshit apologies. Lo and behold, weeks later, I find out I am pregnant. Next week on The X-Files. All of a sudden, very quickly, I felt like I was going through it alone and like I was almost a single mom that was pregnant by myself. This little boy is acting more like a man than his father is. The nurse, she looked at me and she's like, girl, I've done this for over 25 years and that has to be the worst husband I have ever seen. So they staged this intervention and they basically just sit him down and, you know, what is going on with you? This was everything I wanted to find. The cream is finally to the top, like, here it is. But fuck him. I was like, that's it. Hey, X-Fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or The X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.